Hey everyone, Jeremy L. Jones here, author of Ruins of Empire. Just a quick reminder before you listen to this installment of the free podcast novel that the second season is just about to get started and you can contribute right now if you go to kickstarter.com slash projects slash ruins of empire. There you can contribute as little as a dollar to keep this podcast up and running. You can even reserve a signed copy of Saturnius Mons and Templum Venerus. So go to kickstarter.com, look up Ruins of Empire, and make your mark on literary history. You are listening to Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, Book One of the Ruins of Empire Project, a serial podcast novel by Jeremy L. Jones, read by the author and Tyler Murphy. The story so far. After Isra negotiated a tenuous truce between the Urbanoi and Perfinduloi leaders, it was up to Vego to unite their armies and lead them into battle. With some difficulty, he managed to coordinate an attack that forced Vince LeVan's Corporation Marines to flee, ceding their control, once again, to the people of Titan. But all was not well, as Isra could sense something horrible building within the society of Titan, even as they celebrated their victory. Chapter 22 I can only imagine the pride the soldiers on the battle lines felt the day the corporation was brought to its knees, or the intense sense of patriotism as the old earth governments rose from irrelevance to lead their people against global oppression. Young soldiers must have felt an immense sense of hope and accomplishment as they looked on a new world they helped build. Likewise, I can't begin to understand the despair of an entire world watching all they had created dashed to pieces in only a few years. From the Fall, The Decline and Failure of 21st Century Civilization by Martin Rath the team emerged one by one from the forest onto the pebbly beaches of the Legia Mar. They traveled on foot, electing to leave all the supply crates behind, except for one. Vago and Althea lugged the green metal container containing most of the peasant guns between them. It was a small concession and useless in Vago's mind. There were still a few unaccounted for, and the dead marines had been stripped of their weapons. Firearm warfare had arrived on Titan, and things were never going to be the same. The best they could hope for was that they'd use up all the ammunition and be forced back to hitting one another with sticks. Still, when Vago saw the waves lapping at the shore of the Titanian Sea and breathed that foul-smelling chemical air, he felt a sense of relief. One might even call it joy. Okay, maybe it was that extra dose of tea he stole. But things were good in other ways, too. Cronus no longer needed the breather, and he marched beside the crate, chattering at the group about what he had found in that archaic computer. Althea humored him with feigned interest. Even Isra marched at the head of the group with a peasant gun slung over her shoulder and a slight, self-satisfied smile on her face. She didn't even tell Cronus to shut up once. They all walked along the beach together like a band of soldiers returning from assignment. As Vago continued to watch the landscape pass, he was reminded that they didn't succeed so much as they didn't fail as spectacularly as they could have. Vago remembered being awestruck by the beauty of Titan when they first made their way to the city. 
The dense foliage was awash with dark greens, accented by vibrant flowers of all colors. Now everything was muted. The leaves high in the trees, that once looked wide enough for Vago to use as a hammock, hung shriveled and low to the ground. Flowers were few, and their color was nowhere near as vivid. Bright greens gave way to dull yellows and dark browns, and the air was overwhelmed with decay and rot. Vago took some slight comfort in the fact that soon Titan would be just another speck in the vast blackness of space, and, yes, the people who lived here would most likely go back to their indiscriminate slaughter, but the land would recover to its former beauty and return to a magnificence that would last long after the last human drew breath. It wasn't exactly a happy ending, but it was one Vago could live with. They made good time without the extra equipment and were nearing the base camp within a few hours. Vago sat down the crate. We should hold up a moment. Isra stopped. What is wrong? Vago unholstered one of his guns, popped the clip out, and unloaded the chamber. That camp is likely to be agitated. Don't want to give him any reason to get the wrong impression about us. Isra looked hard at the temporary buildings of the base camp just beyond the water. They lost a significant portion of their military power, but a small group would not be a threat to them. Vago opened the crate and tossed the gun and clip in. It rattled on top of the peasant guns piled inside. All the same, don't want to give those fellows a reason to shoot first and ponder their reasoning later. Your gun, please. Isra unstrapped the rifle from her shoulder and handed it to Vago. Vago placed it with the others. Your med bag, Althea, and your pack, Cronus. Althea tossed her black medical bag in immediately, but Cronus hesitated. There is so much left here, so much we do not know. When we return, if we return, it could be lost forever. Isra touched his shoulder. Let it go, Cronus. Have faith in people. He unstrapped the large pack on his back and crammed it in with the guns. When they were all disarmed and unencumbered, Vago and Althea lifted the crate again while Isra and Kronos walked in front. Vago didn't know what to expect, a base in the grip of full evacuation or a small, fortified compound holding on to the last sliver of land they yet controlled. Either would have made sense, but what he saw when they emerged into the clearing did not. Every man and woman, whether they had signed up with the Corporation Marines or not, was now in uniform. They stood in perfect formation while four or five officers walked in between the lines inspecting the troops. Engineers, scientists, hell, by the look of things, they even dragged the cooks out of the mess hall and gave them a gun. Everyone in the line stood at attention with the solemn look of the condemned. The group's arrival set off the entire base like a hornet's nest kicked down the stairs. A few officers shouted orders and the entire formation dissolved. Every soldier ran to their position. Everyone just stay calm, said Vago, dropping his end of the crate. Nothing sudden. Althea dropped hers and stood with her hands raised. You weren't kidding when you said likely to be agitated. Vago watched the whole formation of soldiers surround them with guns raised. To be honest, this is just a touch more agitated than I was expecting. Once all of the soldiers were in the circle surrounding them, an officer walked out of the ranks. You all have a lot of guts coming back here. 
Make sure they are disarmed and bind their hands. All of them. Soldiers broke from the circle and went to carry out the officer's orders. One tried to pull Isra's hands behind her, but she shook out of his grasp. This is uncalled for. We are not an assault force. We are representatives of the ministry, and we are here to see Vince Laban. The officer sneered. Don't you worry. He wants to see you, too. It's the only reason we don't take you out to the forest, beat you with rods, and leave you to feed the local wildlife. What the hell does Laban want with us? demanded Vago. Couldn't say, but he was very insistent. Vago stood defiant as a marine pulled the plastic piece that tightened the cuffs while another patted him down for weapons. He laughed. I'd be careful if I was you. We ain't exactly in a corporation jurisdiction, and you can get in a heap of trouble for messing with ministry officials. Tell him, Isra. Isra winced as a marine tightened her own cuffs. Titan is not recognized as settled territory, which means it is neutral ground. If we are under arrest, then the charges must go through. The officer cut her off. Perhaps you haven't heard. That's okay. Laban is waiting to fill you in. A couple of soldiers opened the crates, and the officer examined the contents. And with this kind of contraband, charges will come easy enough. Vago lurched forward. Titan don't belong to you. Not as long as that city still stands. The officer didn't budge. Yes, well, that may be a temporary inconvenience. But that's for Conclave to decide. If you all are smart, it won't get that far. Laban wants to make a deal. He spoke to his troops. Take these people to Laban and secure this contraband in the armory. Laban's office was just one of the dozens of dome-shaped structures that dotted the base camp. Through the door, Vago entered a strange, overpowering warmth. The arrow suit masked the perpetual cold of Titan, but any exposed skin tingled in the air. Vago had grown used to that feeling, and its absence felt unnatural. The structure was relatively large compared to the others, but was so crammed with dark, expensive wooden furniture that it had a claustrophobic feel to it. There were several plush chairs, small tables, and bookshelves crammed with more books than one could read on a years-long expedition. Laban himself sat behind a desk, large enough for Vago to lay down on, and heavy enough that he would strain to lift it, even in Titan's gravity. Whole cities on Earth could be powered for a decade with the energy it took to carry all this to Titan and back. But Vince Laban was a corporate man, and no expense was too great when it came to demonstrating superiority, wealth, and a genuine spirit of true excess. The fact that millions back on Earth starved and died in the cold was just another impressive line on the expense ledger. Laban stood up with that same omnipresent smile as soldiers led Vago, Althea, Isra, and Kronos into the room. Welcome. Please, have a seat. Vago struggled against the bonds. Some might find that difficult with their hands strapped behind them. Laban sat in a chair that was just a little gilding away from being a throne. Well, I'm afraid we must have a rather difficult conversation. But if you wouldn't mind someone standing by to keep things civil, we can make you more comfortable. Vago glanced at Isra, who nodded slightly. A marine walked behind them, waving a small metal tab near the plastic cuffs. As he passed by, the bonds released and fell to the ground. Please... Have a seat.
said LeBan, gesturing to the chairs lined up in front of the desk. Two Marines entered and stood by the door, shouldering automatic weapons. A third gathered the shackles and took a place near LeBan's desk. While they did, LeBan pretended to busy himself on some kind of built-in screen. He tapped icons and swept his hand across it, as if he were reading some document. Finally, he looked up, steepled his hands, and smiled. I have to say, I'm a little surprised to see you. Before Vega could answer, Isra said exactly what he was thinking. We heard you were doing something immensely stupid. We had no choice but to come and see for ourselves. Laban let a chuckle escape. <laughs> Charming as always, Miss Chicario. I'm assuming you are referring to the next step of our military campaign. Let me assure you that it isn't so foolish as you make it seem. Isra cocked her head, mimicking the same polite, condescending smile as Laban. Well, maybe not immensely stupid. Perhaps just unfathomably idiotic. Perhaps we should discuss why I called you here in the first place. He tapped some keys just to the side of his desk, and a hologram appeared. Vago recognized it instantly. He didn't understand it any better, but he'd seen it enough times. Hey, Kronos, that looks a lot like the pictures of the refineries you found. Kronos didn't say anything. He just sunk in his chair looking guiltier than an adulterer in church. Isra glared at Laban with an awful hatred. Where did you get that? Laban shrugged. That is not the issue at the moment. Allow me to show you what is. He tapped a few keys and the hologram zoomed in through the pipes and the machinery until it displayed eight tanks in a row. They were pulsing red in a way that could not signal anything good. Kronos catapulted himself out of the chair with a speed and suddenness that Vago didn't think the little man physically capable of. He leaned over the desk with his face so close to the hologram that the picture swirled around his head. This! What have you done? It is not what we have done said Laban, his voice taking a slight, annoyed edge. Rather, if we were to blame anyone specifically, it would be you and the riot you incited against our people. We shut down the outlets to transfer the refined hydrocarbons within the complex so we could continue to extract pure, refined fuels. But we never got to finish the job. The pressure is building in these storage tanks, and volatile chemicals are backing up all over the system. Not just these tanks specifically, but all over the complex. I'm afraid the whole refinery is becoming a bomb, just waiting for a trigger. It is in no immediate danger, but given the explosive nature of the fuels being produced, it has become a top concern of the corporation. Vago folded his arms. They ain't yours anymore. We kicked your pasty white rump out of there. Again, LeBan chuckled. <laughs> The pallor of my posterior notwithstanding, as you might have assumed when you arrived, we have every intention of reclaiming the refineries. That is where you will prove useful. Your rather blunt description is not entirely incorrect, Vago. The native people of this planet have been able to resist far more than we assumed they would be able to. I am confident that the Corporation Marines will triumph, but I wish to bring this situation to a speedy conclusion. Therefore, I am asking that you share what you know." of the people of Titan. Althea snorted in a humorless laugh. Why would we ever consider helping you? Laban leaned back in his chair. Why? It's the most logical choice for you to make at this point. Vago and Isra exchanged glances, and he knew, without speaking, that the same question on his mind was also on hers. 
Laban's army was crushed. His mission was in complete disarray. So why did he act like he just won? Isra studied him for a moment. You will have to explain the logic behind that statement. Laban steepled his fingers again. My mistake. I assumed, as a respected diplomat in the ministry, you had a basic understanding of corporation laws. Without going into too many details, your situation is this. We have proof that you not only allied with enemy combatants, but actively participated in armed terrorist actions. We have holovids of you both actually taking up arms and killing corporation military personnel, not to mention that little payload you brought into camp. Since you are all subject to corporation rule, that makes you all guilty of treason, which means you are all under arrest until you can be brought to earth to stand trial. Laban stood up and started pacing in front of his audience. His hand gestures accented the haughty tone in his voice. But luckily, despite your egregious actions, I am a forgiving man. Furthermore, I still support your mission at its core. I think we can convince a conclave that what you did was part of an overall covert action campaign. Of course, for that to work, you'll need to help us. Isra leaned forward as he walked past. Laban, Titan is not a corporate colony. Not yet. And even if it were, us four, she waved at Vago, Kronos, and Althea, are not under corporation rule. We are agents in the ministry and protected by the treaties signed. Laban stopped and turned on his heels to face Isra. Let me stop you there. First, those treaties became annulled the moment you brought weapons to Titan. Second, you have been disavowed. As of two hours ago, you are no longer acting agents or representatives of the ministry. Before Isra could begin to process that, Laban sat back at his desk and produced a sheet of electronic paper. He placed it on the desktop and slid it forward. In a dynamic interface, it displayed each of their faces, some general information about them, and the word disavowed in bright red flashing letters. As Isra started to read through the document, Vega removed his hat. We're both reasonable men, Laban. So let's cut the nookai bias and be reasonable. Ain't nothing to be gained by charging back into those refineries. Just a lot more dead bodies and grieving families back home who will want to pay out. Now I understand that you're good and fired up, considering what we did. And if you want to take a swing at me, I understand. But this, there ain't nothing in it for you. Laban nodded. I must say, you are remarkably well-spoken for a Martian savage. Vago clenched his fist and reminded himself that punching this man's nose through the back of his head wouldn't be helpful. Laban continued, And there is too much at stake to simply walk away. The hydrocarbon deposits on Titan will give the corporation leverage over the terrestrial energy not seen since before the fall. And thanks to Kronos here, we have a way of using the existing structures. Vago slammed his hat back down on his head and glared at Kronos, who sat back down and looked like he was trying to disappear inside the cushions of the chair. Kronos... What exactly is Laban talking about? He betrayed us, said Isra, still reading the paper Laban gave her. We have been disavowed for passing information to hostile corporate entities. Vago got up and pulled Kronos out of the chair by the collar of his green vest he wore over his arrow suit. You better start explaining and explaining fast. Kronos struggled in Vago's grasp. I didn't. I... Althea jumped out of her chair and took hold of Vago's arm holding Kronos by the collar. Vago, let him talk. There's got to be. Before the little man, writhing in Vago's grasp, 
could put a coherent thought together, or Althea could make him drop the traitor, Bago felt a sharp pain just below the neck. He let go of Kronos, who fell to the ground while two soldiers, one armed with an electronic truncheon, pushed Althea aside and forced Vago back into his chair. Laban held up his hands. Please, please, there is no reason for this. But now you understand your situation fully. Like I said before, you can help us, or submit to corporation rule, and be brought to earth for judgment. Althea sat back in her chair hard and glared at him. And what if we do neither? What if we refuse corporation rule? Laban shrugged. If you are not corporate traitors, you are enemy combatants. Corporation bylaws are very loose regarding captured enemy forces, and they are not well enforced. He motioned to the soldiers standing at the door. They both lost friends in your little attack. So did most everyone here. Do you really want to take your chance with them? So help you dismantle the entire civilization on Titan, or submit to corporate rule, said Isra with a faraway look. Laban opened his arms. Like I said, it's your best option. Isra looked at Vago and Althea and took a silent pull from their faces. Then she turned back to Laban. We will submit. Call us traitors if you want. We will not help you destroy the people on Titan. Laban shook his head. That is disappointing, but not surprising considering your reputation. Just Kronos, then. I know you don't know as much about the people, but your knowledge of the refineries themselves... Kronos got up and leaned over the hologram, with the parts flashing in red. Listen to me, Laban. See past your own ambition and your myopic view of the corporation. See past your petty struggle for control and greed. Titan is in danger. The forest, the air... The ground will be scoured clean by ambition and ignorance, unless you listen to me. Laban looked confused. Is that an agreement to help us? It is an assessment that you do not understand the entirety of the situation. This is not about the corporation anymore. You must let us go back. We must return to the city. Laban shook his head. Your friends have made their decision. If you help me put down the rebellion, I will consider your request. Either that, or you may join your friends in lockup. Cronus was wild with fear, bordering on panic. The soldiers stayed close to the door on the chance that Cronus would bolt. The way his eyes shifted made it likely that he would attempt it. Then a calm washed over him. No! You deceived me, Laban. I will not give you anything else. Laban massaged his temples. Then I'm afraid you can join the rest of them. Nothing in this world is simple, boy, or free. There will always be someone waiting to collect, and today that person is me. Take them away. Put them in the brig. You have been listening to The Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, the first book of The Ruins of Empire Project. The Ruins of Empire podcast was written by Jeremy L. Jones and produced by Sean Vincent. Cover art was by Nick Martin. Music was Broken Reality by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license.